This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. With escalating diplomatic tension between Canada and China this week and the recent frosty trade talks with the U.S., we focus on an international relationship that's flourishing. I recently spent time in Israel, and we talked tech and trade. And baby, it's cold outside comes in from the cold. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Medical guidelines for mammograms have changed. This week, a task force recommended a less rigid screening schedule. It suggests women between 50 and 74 have a mammogram every two to three years, with the caveat that doctors should make sure they understand both the harms and the benefits of the procedure. This reflects a growing trend in health care to reduce unnecessary tests that may have limited benefit. With breast cancer, screening can detect the disease in some women, but others may get false positives, creating undue stress and unnecessary procedures. More than half the nursing homes in California are asking to be exempt from new rules requiring more direct care with their patients. The state's new staffing law requires staff to spend three and a half hours of direct care per resident per day. While the nursing homes are complaining they don't have the staff, Patient advocates say the rule doesn't go far enough. Researchers have strongly linked more staff with better care, with some experts saying over four hours per day is the bare minimum. Happy birthday to legendary Hollywood actor Kirk Douglas, who turned 102 this week. His daughter-in-law, Catherine Zeta-Jones, shared a sweet tribute on Instagram that featured photos of Douglas throughout his movie career with his family. Douglas has been a Hollywood mainstay for decades and is perhaps best known for starring in the 1960 drama Spartacus. What's your name, slave? Spartacus. A new historic marker was unveiled in his birthplace in upstate New York. It says Douglas rose from poverty to appear in over 90 films in Hollywood. There's a new trend in weddings. Couples are turning to their grandmothers to play an instrumental role on their wedding day as bridesmaids. Bride-to-be Jenny Wood of Michigan said asking her 88-year-old grandmother Lila LeBlanc to be one of her bridesmaids was a, quote, no-brainer because she's among her best friends. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. This week, Canada found itself in the middle of a dispute between our two largest trading partners, the U.S. and China. 
The impetus was the arrest of Meng Wanzhou, CFO of the Chinese telecom giant Huawei, at the request of the Americans who want to extradite her. For many, the incident underscores the need to diversify our trade. Ambassador Deborah Lyons is working hard to promote partnerships with a small country that's a world leader in cybersecurity, digital health, and artificial intelligence. I met her and local entrepreneurs on my recent trip to Israel. We have an active platform, so an active investment platform investing in Israeli startups and technology and also an institutional fund. That's Lee Moser of iAngels, a platform that allows people from around the world to get in on the legendary Israeli tech boom by investing in startup companies. This year, $5.6 billion flowed into the sector that has transformed the country's economy and is changing its image around the world. I think that technology is the best ambassador Israel has. This is also the reason why I choose to make a career change and join the ecosystem and join and being a part of a, a technological place. It's not only about the name, it's really about creating technologies that are changing people's life. If it's the edible camera that can be uh, digested, you know, and take a film of your body, if it's creating a technology for autonomous vehicles, if it's creating technology to produce water, it's not only like the name, it's really changing people's life all around the world. That's why Canadian Ambassador Deborah Lyons is so passionate about promoting partnerships between Canadian and Israeli businesses. I chatted with her after lunch in Jerusalem last week. I think in terms of what's happening in both our countries, in terms of innovation, in terms of business opportunities, there are endless partnerships that are possible between Canada and Israel in life sciences, in cybersecurity, certainly, um, in, in big data, in digital health, and all of the changes that are going to be happening there. Uh, Canada and Israel are natural partners on artificial intelligence. There's so much happening here. The Israelis are eager for partners, and Canada has a lot to offer. So what I'm seeing here is just a constant back and forth between Canadian innovators and researchers and business people and Israelis. So I'm very excited about the opportunities. And your impression of Israel as an innovation nation, you know, in a lot of ways that, that seems to have grown out. They had a very kind of deliberate branding exercise, you know, about 10 years ago when they came up with this knowledge nation, startup right. nation. Do you know what? I I don't, yes, they did have that as a branding exercise, but I think it would have happened anyway, because what that brand is all about is reality on the ground, is the fact that you've got these people who are so committed to trying to build a peaceful, dynamic economy, democracy, even with whatever blemishes any democracy may have, you've got a population that is committed to building this country with enormous creativity, and that had to start to manifest itself in the innovation world, in technology, in business, and that's what you're seeing. And we would have seen it without the branding exercise. The Israelis are creators, they're innovators, they are making things happen here in so many interesting ways, not just in the technologies, but also in the area of social cohesion. And Canada has lots of opportunity and lots of things to share with them. When you were talking about Israelis in the world and we learned that, you know, they're starting to open relations with enemies, what is, you think, are the most different things that are 
actually on the ground here as opposed to what we would read about, you know, or see? Well, if, if you're talking about Israel having a better, you know, improved relations with Jordan, with Egypt, I mean, they, they share borders, they're concerned about security, so they're cooperating enormously in that area. I think you see it both in the Jordanian-Israeli relationship, one that has really matured over time. Uh, you also see it in terms of some of the other Arab countries that recognize the technologies and the opportunities that Israel offers. And so people are interested in what's happening here from an innovation perspective, the cyber area, the life sciences area, but many ag tech, water management. I mean, these are areas that many of the neighbors are very interested in. And Israel has, I think now, a very well-developed position to help its neighbors and an eagerness to do that. And I think the neighbors are responding. Okay, thank you. That was Canada's ambassador to Israel, Deborah Lyons, and I Angel's Lee Moser. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, we go behind the ban on a Christmas standard. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. I really can't stay. But baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go away. But baby, it's cold outside. It could be a Christmas story all its own. In the wake of the Me Too movement, this 1944 Christmas classic was banned by station after station. Not ours, mind you. The argument was that it promotes rape culture. But after an avalanche of audience complaints, it was reinstated by at least one of the large corporations, the CBC. I sat down with our own music icon, Robbie Lane, to talk about how political correctness invaded the holiday playlist. There are people that really are very emotional about this song and uh, that it should not be played. I have someone in my family who feels that way, and we just don't talk about it. That's how we deal with it. Really? Yeah. And what's their rationale? Because you read about it and you say it promotes rape culture. I mean, that to me is a big stretch. That is a huge stretch, but that's what she believes. And I'm talking about the person in my family. And uh, no matter what we say... And we've told her where the song came from. Go look at the clip from the original movie and see how it played out and what it was really all about. Still, she says, yes, but in today's world, it's it's promoting a rape culture. And uh, he is obviously trying to seduce this woman into staying in the house with him. And when did seduction become... Bad. Bad. (laughs) Illegal. I mean, (laughs) that's a question a lot of people have. Yeah, me too. And then if you start start with that song, you could probably go through dozens of other songs that have certain meanings to certain people, but they weren't the meanings that the songs were written about in the first place. Okay. So take us back. What was the original context of Baby It's Cold Outside? It was, uh, from what I understand, it was in a film with Esther Williams, and she and her, I'm not sure whether they were fiancés or husband and wife, but it was a cold night, and she had to go somewhere, and he was saying, no, stay, it's too cold out there for you to go out. And that was really the message of the song. Lighting the fire and having a glass of something and snuggling on the couch was just part of their relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. We saw this start in the United States. Yeah. 
and it spread. You know, <laughs> spread like a wildfire. It did, and I think a lot of people are looking for things to be upset about, especially social media. Today, if something happens in Philadelphia, we know about it five minutes later. Everybody knows about it five minutes later if you follow social media. And that's exactly what happened with this song. So suddenly, there were a, a number of radio stations in our area that banned the song. Zuma Radio never would ban the song. Took a stand and said, no, this is a, a great traditional kind of happy Christmas song. Or holiday song. Well, and it, as it turned out, we got a huge amount of positive feedback for taking that stand. Yeah, the fear of being shamed or of uh, somehow people tuning out because you're playing the song. But my answer to, to anyone who has said to me, well, I, you know, I don't really like the song, Tur- turn it off. It's almost like, first of all, it's almost like a Christmas story where uh, this song, beloved song, was banned, and we never banned it, but here, major corporates banned it, and then uh, the the national broadcaster, the CBC, said that it responded to a huge number of demands from its audience saying, bring it back, and they undid the band. I'm wondering, did that mean that their ratings went down, or I I don't know what it would have showed. Well, I guess it's like every broadcaster, the the idea is to get as many people listening as you can, and if you fear you're going to lose somebody by playing or doing something on, on the air that they don't like, then you might change it. But I'll tell you, just recently, someone posted on social media that they thought taking into consideration that song and what they conceived to be the meaning of that song, they also said... Maybe we should stop kids from sitting on Santa's lap. Where do we end all of this? Does it surprise you that this happened around a Christmas song, that it played out in this way? Yeah, especially that song, which is meant to be fun. And the message in it is a message that we've all lived through at one time or another in our lives, trying to get someone to hang out with you that you particularly like. So what do we take away with this again? I mean, do you think it's because people genuinely were put off by these lyrics or they were afraid of being shamed or called out or losing ratings? I think both. And the people who were put off by it, I understand. Like what words mean to me and mean to you might be two totally different things, but we're each entitled to our opinion. That was our own music icon, Robbie Lane. You can hear him right here on Zoomer Radio. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, Old Blue Eyes would have turned 103. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. 
Irish theater audiences are learning about hospitality in Newfoundland. Welcome to the rack if you come from away. Come from Away, the Canadian Tony Award-winning production has opened at the Abbey Theatre in Dublin. The Vienna State Opera is presenting the world premiere of The Willows, a 135-minute production that focuses on the rise of the far right in Europe. Now to London. To find what's waiting inside The year of the cat an exhibition focusing on cats has opened in the entrance hall of the British Library. Highlights include Beatrix Potter's Puss in Boots, T.S. Eliot's Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, and Lewis Carroll's copy of Through the Looking Glass, complete with illustrations of Alice's Kitten. And the National Gallery of Australia in Canberra is hosting a world first, displaying the two most iconic pre-Raphaelite paintings ever to leave the UK. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week marked the 103rd anniversary of the birth of Frank Sinatra. Born December 12, 1915, the chairman of the board is no longer with us, but his music will live on for generations. Old Blue Eyes is remembered as a singer who could both belt out a tune and croon better than just about anyone in the business. As the iconic head of the 1960s Rat Pack, he was the definition of Vegas cool. Along with singing, he was also known as a star on the silver screen, and the careers often overlapped. Like his role in the 1957 film The Joker is Wild, it gave him one of his signature tunes, All the Way. Right now, we'll hear a different Sinatra recording from 1957. It's from his holiday album, a Jolly Christmas from Frank Sinatra. Here is I'll Be Home for Christmas. That was Frank Sinatra with I'll Be Home for Christmas. This week marked the 103rd anniversary of his birth. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.